0: Welcome to a moment of Bach where we take our favorite moments from the composer's vast musical output, just a minute's worth or even a few seconds, and show you why we think they are remarkable. We're your hosts, Alex and Christian Giebert. And today's moment comes from the Mass in F major, BWV 233, the Quitolis movement.
1: Bach himself was not conscious of the extraordinary greatness of his work. He was aware only of his admitted mastery of the organ and clavier and counterpoint. But he never dreamt that his works alone, not those of the men all around him, would remain visible to the coming generations. These are the words of Albert Schweitzer, and it is a a bit flowery, but it does paint a good picture of Bach's religiosity as being more important than his, his own musical greatness. He goes on, If it is one of the signs of the great creative artist, born before his time, that he waits for his day and wears himself out in the waiting, then was Bach neither great nor born before his time. No one was less conscious than he that his work was ahead of his epoch. In this respect, he stands perhaps highest among all creative artists. His immense strength functioned without self-consciousness, like the forces of nature, and for this reason, it is as cosmic and copious as these. Far out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's pretty clear in Bach's cantatas that what Schweitzer is referring to is that his dedication to the religious text is paramount, but it's also true in Bach's Latin works. Far and away the most famous of those would be the Mass in B minor, and it's the biggest one too, and it's really a culmination of all of his life's work, but put into that Latin format. But we should absolutely not ignore his other vocal works in Latin, which are also really good, like the Mass in F major. We have a suggestion from listener Riley, who gave us the initial suggestion for Cantata Forty, Datsu ist the Diazon Gotis. That will come into play today, later as well. Riley suggested the Quitolis movement, which is so beautifully done here by the Netherlands Box Society. Zuzi Tot is the soprano, soloist here, and we have conductor Hans-Christoph Radman. Martin Stadler is the oboist. Riley puts it well in the suggestion to A Moment of Bach for this episode. A spine-chilling interweaving of a solo oboe and soprano. I am almost speechless with the intense emotion that is felt during this movement. Nothing is stable, and chromatic harmony is dotted throughout all three timbres, the timbres of the oboe and of the singer and of the accompaniment. It embodies the sins of the world, which is the main theme of this text. The cries for help from humanity ever trying to reach high up to God, but fall back down to earth. Bach, in this movement, is expressing the flaws of humanity, fully at the merciful hand of God. This idea of Bach expressing humanity's flaws in music by this pleading thing that goes up and then falls back down—we've discussed this recently, I think, Alex, in a cantata that that you reviewed.
0: Yeah, Ich Mensch.
1: Yeah, the opening.
0: Yeah, of that.
1: Bach has a really good skill of t- of setting this particular kind of text with with melodic contour alone. Uh, instrument or instrument group is pleading with god and reaching high up and clawing up but then inevitably falling back down and here it's kind of taken to its extreme because there's some very high strong oboe notes and they really go for it these these two soloists the singer and the double reed it's great i mean they they they're not making an attempt to play this as beautifully as possible if that makes sense Hmm especially this oboe timbre it's just so bold the oboe is already very colorful in its tone quality but to express the text the best way you can who takes away the sin of the world have mercy on us you can either i mean you could just say it but to express it this way musically is very powerful Mm. interweaving was a word that riley used this is what stuck out to me when i listened to this mm, the ranges the ranges they interweave this happens in some of our examples and it happens all over box output like the Bleib by uns alto aria between the alto and the oboe de Caccia, or the zeufzer aria from ich hatte viel becumines cantata bw21 where the oboe and the soprano just like this kind of share a range although they're more they're a little bit more back and forth there this they're crossing a lot there's a particularly bold moment that finishes out to a cadence that is my favorite of all of the moments in the in the aria. Both the soprano who is finishing out a phrase there and the oboe are sort of barreling towards this cadence and the oboe goes on but the musical cadence does end here the harmony closes out here temporarily most of the time in baroque music when you reach a final harmonic point like that you relax into it and here they just kind of go for it and it's just so strong as they push into these dissonances here and the final note that they end on the soprano ends up on that tonic pitch the oboe ends at the same time the oboe does an ornamentation, which puts it on that pitch later. Mm-hmm. So there's a great dissonance yep, I there. Yeah, I always love when he does that. And then, and the fact that it jumps up from below at this point, the, the soloist, the soprano soloist is above. I, don't, I just don't think a lot of other composers of his time wrote the solo instrument and the solo voice this close to each other. Usually we try as composers to separate them a little bit in terms of register so that they're both clear, but Bach was not worried about this at all. He, he Maybe it's because of the text, but these two lines are just brutally scratching against each other in terms of harmony, but the effect is so good when both musicians bring out those dissonances, which is exactly what's happening here. And then every time the oboist has to claw up to that really high note, he almost makes it sound pained. It's just, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, I just love this huge leap right at the end. Of the, the, basically the closeout of the whole aria. The huge leap in the oboe. He goes from a low d to a
1: high c
0: but it's an octave higher than what i just sang <laughs> or rather the d is an octave higher than the c is two octaves in other words he's jumping almost two full octaves
1: yeah that's a very wide leap and very uncommon yeah. even with melody even with a solo melody the only other offhand example of a 14th of an ascending 14th I can think about that is like two octaves minus one note basically a seventh plus an octave is from the Mozart bassoon concerto completely different example though because that's kind of happy <laughs> and and it's it's to showcase the range of an instrument but this is very guttural and sad and yeah the oboe's notoriously hard to control lower register is used on that first note as we go down to it and then up to a up to that biting, thin, higher register. And these these things are even more exaggerated on the Baroque oboe, which was a little bit more limited than our more fancy modern ones. So it's just all of that
0: together. Mm. That's true. But we should also mention that Bach, when it comes to these wide leaping intervals, Bach had no problem giving those to the continuo bass, though. That's true. Like, he puts them in there all the time. I mean, it's still kind of a cool special effect when he does it, but he puts in leaps that are over an octave. It's like not a big deal for him to do it there. Yeah, but it is
1: arguably more covered when it happens there. For sure. And it's more exposed when it happens here. So Schweitzer goes on to say, Bach also did not reflect whether his musicians could perform his works properly or whether the congregation understood them. He had put all his devotion into them. And God, at any rate, certainly understood them. <laughs> the SDG, Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the praise, and the JJ, Jesu Yuva Jesus help me, with which he garnishes his scores, are for him no formulas, but the credo that runs through all his work. So here Schweitzer is referring to the fact that Bach signed all of his works, almost all of them either SDG which means Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory, or J.J., Jesu Yuva, help me Jesus. He says, Music is an act of worship with Bach. His artistic activity and his personality are both based on his piety. If he is to be understood from any standpoint at all, it is from this. For him, art was religion, and so had no concern with the world or with worldly success. It was an end in itself. the last movement of the Mass in F major concludes with that last text, Cum Sancto Spiritu in Gloria Dei Patris, Amen. With the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father, Amen. And for this moment, Bach reached back into his German cantatas and used a beloved fragment of chorus from an earlier cantata. This is such a nice surprise, as Riley noted, we've done an episode on this in fact. This is essentially a short version of the opening chorus of cantata 40, D'artsu ist erschienen dir schon Gottes. And it has what I have to say is one of the best endings in that cantata and in this mass. And it summarizes this perfectly. have to kind of wonder if Bach himself felt this way I mean Schweitzer does a lot of exaggerating and and so on but I think I think the general points are are good but when Bach sets that pleading oboe and soprano in that way is this kind of musical result only possible by a composer who as Schweitzer said had no concern with the world or worldly success and who viewed it music only as an act of worship I don't know it's impossible to answer that question
0: objectively. Yeah, I think it is. Because history is littered with examples of composers or art artists of any of any medium who were self professed atheists or at least non Christians who came up with works that we might call sacred that are beautiful, you know. So Yeah. If you yourself would be an atheist, you'd probably be thinking, well, that's just because Art is objectively beautiful for whatever reason. If you yourself are a Christian, you might think, well, that's just God working in a beautiful way through that person, even though that person isn't a Christian. But either way, Ray Fun Williams, a great example of this, just a sort of transcendently beautiful ending with the heaven's gates opening up, ending of his choral work, Dona Nobis Potchum, which includes Walt Whitman poetry interspersed with church liturgy. It's kind of a for me. It's kind of an uneven work. It's, some parts of it are genius, and some are are weird and don't really work for me. But it, it's cool. It's interesting. But the ending is just it's just glorious. And you know, it doesn't reflect what he believed. So I'm not sure. But but then on the other hand, your question about that as relates to Bach, I think you do have something with that because how could a man create this much music of this high quality that is sacred? He obviously cared about it very deeply. And to him, it was it was the art. I mean, it makes sense. We've talked about this before. Bach is at the perfect time of history because later, especially in the Romantic era, you know, the the idea of individualism and humanism and things like that were were taking hold, right? Out of long stretches out of the Enlightenment, eventually culminating in the whole Romantic era being a lot more about the self and self actualization and things like that. And for Bach, it was not that at all. So this person for whom it would be very easy to Think of oneself very highly. This person who had every right to be pompous, right? And it wasn't. You just don't get the sense from various biographers and people who knew Bach. You don't get the sense that people are exaggerating Bach's humility. He was humble. That's just who he was. For that is at the service of the music. Nothing else for him. It's all it's worship, as you said. As Schwe- Schweitzer says that correctly, I think. Yeah, he bloviates a little, you know. Schweitzer does. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. his style. But he's right about that
1: and also not provable but i do like the take that bach could not have physically produced that volume of work not quality but quantity of work if he wasn't that right, in- that's what I'm that saying. invested personally in the themes of what he was writing about with the especially with with the sacred music like the german cantatas and i have a wonderful collection of it's called j.s bach and scripture the publication it's facsimiles from the kalov bible commentary that bach owned and mm, yeah i've heard of this yeah it's it's a really nice rebuttal against the argument that maybe bach didn't actually believe any of the things that he set to music again not a provable thing but a lot of the stuff that Bach personally wrote in his own Bible commentary as like in the margins that we can now read is pretty telling he was very theologically well read and adept so it we do have to pick up the pieces here and there because he never thought I mean he never thought as Schweitzer says he had no idea he would ever be known at all outside of his local area and he wasn't at his time really and the fact that he is
0: up there in the pantheon now, after his death, he would have never expected this. Yeah, and family dynamics had a lot to do with that, actually, it's interesting. Like, imagine an alternate universe where Bach was a pompous, hard to get along with, you know, terrible person, and in that case, probably his sons would have felt a lot of resentment about that. He overshadowed them in his fame, at least for a while, even though a, f- a few of them got famous, but they may have not wanted to be cha- the champions of his work that they really were in real- in in our timeline, right? In this alternate timeline, I think Bach's choices of how he acted toward his family ended up... just He was just being a good person and a good father, but it ended up helping his music survive. Because Carl Philipp Emanuel Bach, among more Moshe than any of the other sons, really championed a lot of his father's music after J.S. Bach's death, and everybody knew Bach to be this upstanding citizen of a person. And I think that would have hurt the reputation a little, if he wasn't. Maybe. The compelling idea of Bach being exceedingly humble and sort of almost blameless, you know, is definitely exaggerated here by Schweitzer. But yeah, I mean, we know know from contemporary accounts that Bach was kind of haughty and very, very particular, and whether that's good or bad, I mean, it was for the quality of the music why he was that particular he could be very challenging to work with he frequently challenged assumptions and other expectations that were put upon him that were not he felt were not fair of his job he was he was a demanding person yeah so it's not like he was just it's not like he was just this like peaceable figure who never made anybody mad no no he that absolutely checks out
1: too with with what he produced
0: yeah he was a human being
1: And so here's the end of Schweitzer's paragraph here, which is as grandiose as anything else we've heard today so far, but I'll still say it. Bach includes religion in the definition of art in general. All great art, even secular, is in itself religious in his eyes. For him, the tones do not perish, but ascend to God like praise too deep for utterance
0: And now, here is that moment from the Quitolis aria from the Mass in F major. Thank you to listener Riley for suggesting this moment and if this introduction to Riley's moment has inspired you to hear the rest of the mass in F major and find your own moments in it then please see the link that Christian has included in the episode description to see its performance by the Netherlands box society do you want to hear our new episodes as we release them do you want to suggest some moments for us too well you can find us on our socials amomentofbox.com and subscribe to the podcast to make sure you get every new episode what moment will we look at next week i'm going to give us a compilation of three beautiful instrumental melodies from Bach's arias and if you want to get a head start on one of them then you should listen to the opening aria of BWV 170 beliebte <laughs> Until next time,
1: enjoy those moments.